Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. So, Hondo, were you listening to Jane's newscast? Yeah, just, oh, just a little. You were working, doing other things, getting stuff ready. No, she was telling, apparently in Ohio, there's this new law that has either just gone into effect or is going into effect that allows you to blow through red lights if you believe that the red light is malfunctioning. What could possibly go wrong with that? <laughs> it's just that I, with all due respect, the last damn thing we need is more people taking it upon themselves to blow through red lights. I, I was just thinking about that many times. One of the routes I take to work, I, I, I'm coming from the North Shore. I, I'm coming down um, a street. It's Lydell in, in Glendale. And you, you, cross, you cross Lydell. You have to cross Hampton. And then you go through Esterbrook Park. That's one of the routes I take to come to work. Um, and there's, there's a red light. So you're crossing Hampton, which is the busier street. And, and the light, if you're doing that, you, you have to wait longer. Well, I have now learned that, you know, when that light turns green, allowing me to cross Hampton, you can't go when it turns green. You have to literally count one Mississippi, two Mississippi, three Mississippi, four Mississippi, five Mississippi. Because if you go right away, you're going to get hit. I, I, will, I swear, two or three times a week, I'm watching people just blow through those red lights. And it is just but for the grace of God that people aren't getting smashed in the, in the side. Maybe it happens a lot. But I mean, it's just that that's one intersection that I noticed that people apparently think yellow means floor it and see how fast you can get through. Or, well, it was a little bit red, but not quite. So I'm just imagining if you give leave it up to the discretion of people to say, yes, I blew through that red light, but I, I thought it was malfunctioning because I don't know why. It's just, you know, it is going to be <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? Just saying. Hey, coming up in less than a half hour, we'll be talking to uh, Congressman Glenn Grothman. He is out in D.C. He's going to give us some firsthand reports about what's going on with the inauguration. And um, I'm actually a little bit curious to talk to Glenn about what he thinks about 68 and counting of his colleagues who have now made the decision that they are going to boycott the inauguration. And by the way, we will be broadcasting the inauguration um, live. We're going to have ABC coverage from 10 until noon tomorrow. I'm actually on vacation, so we have a fill in, I think, Bruce Stevens for an hour and a half. Um, I'm on vacation. Bruce Stevens, yes, Hondo confirms. Bruce Stevens filling in for me from 8.30 till 10, and then we're going to carry the inauguration from uh, 10 until noon. Also, today, Pop Culture Corner at 11.35. Um, Good one today. Going to be a lot of fun. Um, Rev your motors for today. But right now, this is the segment I call Dealer's Choice. It's one of the, I think, I try to pick a topic that I think is really accessible and talkable, uh, my most talkable topic of the day. And as I said in the lead-in, whenever I venture down this route, and if you're a regular listener of the afternoon show, you've heard me discuss this before. If you're kind of new to this, this is this is one of these topics. Whenever I venture into this, I will get hate email from all over the world. But that does not stop me from launching into this. All right, let me share with you a story. I want to read a portion of this as it is reported in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. Right, so this is something that happened in Atlanta Tuesday morning. And I understand Sunday's a big Packers game, but this happened Tuesday morning. Weekday mornings on Gideon's, on Gideon's Drive are filled with laughter and shrieks of children toting backpacks to the school bus stop. But Tuesday morning, the shouting took on a different, frightening quality. 
I realized the kids weren't playing, Angie Smith said. It was a different kind of scream and a different cry. The scene on the southwest Atlanta street was horrific. A six-year-old boy lay covered with blood in a front yard. Nearby, a five-year-old girl lay in the street with grievous injuries to her head and face. In an extraordinarily savage attack, two dogs that had wandered over from another street set upon the children as they walked to their bus stop. Logan Bratz, six, died at the hospital later in the morning. Cerise Sanders, five, underwent emergency surgery at Children's Health Care of Atlanta um, and was in stable condition, according to the great aunt. Um, the scene was shocking and unforgettable. Little kids fighting with vicious dogs, trying to keep the animals off their friends. An Atlanta police officer, gun in hand, approaching a dog on the porch. The gun's fur tinged pink with the children's blood. I apologize for being graphic, but this is the way it's reported. A neighbor going after the dogs with a gun of his own. Apparently, um, what happened is these children walking to school in the morning. Um, There were two dogs. Um, One is a pit bull mix. The other, as it turns out, is a border collie. Not a pit bull, but a border collie who did not have collars on them, but were roaming the streets. They apparently belonged to some guy who lived a block or two away. Um, They attacked these two small children as they were heading to the bus stop. Um, Apparently, one of the neighbors sees this, attacks, um, he runs, grabs a gun, tries to, you know, get get uh, the dogs away. Um, other kids at the bus stop apparently are there trying to cover up the children who've been mauled by these dogs. Uh, it is just a really, really, really ugly sort of things. Um, the owner of the dogs who was letting them run free has now been arrested and charged with involuntary manslaughter in connection with the death of the six-year-old. But of course, this is raising all sorts of, of issues. Looking at another story out of Atlanta, in the wake of this attack, you've got a number of neighbors who are now coming forward and saying, look, um, you know, we've seen this happen before. Lots of people let their dogs run free. Um, particularly, we have problems with pit bulls, and there's people who have no control over it. Quote from one of the stories I'm looking at, a neighbor says, I'm very worried about anyone who has a pit bull and no control over it. They're vicious. We have a lot of people in our area who walk. We have children who walk to school. Something needs to be done. And many people are calling for restrictions on the private ownership of pit bulls. For one, now, in this case, it was a pit bull and it was a border collie. All right. Let us go where angels fear to tread. 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. In this case, the owner of the dogs, who apparently did not have them under control, I don't know if they'd gotten out. They obviously, I don't know how they had gotten out, but obviously they'd gotten loose. They were running the streets. They attack these children. One kid is dead. He has now been charged with involuntary manslaughter. Is that enough? punishing the owner after the fact, or should communities be more proactive? Should we be looking at, I don't know, restrictions, registrations, bans? What do you think? How do we deal with this? 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. And, you know, whenever we talk about this, I, I know I get a lot of calls from people who just love their pit bulls, and my, my pit bull Fluffy would never attack anyone. But when Fluffy does break bad... 
fluffy breaks really bad. All right, is this a justification for restrictions? The owner, like I say, the owner is probably going to be going to jail for quite a while, but that doesn't bring the child back. 414-799-1620-800-877-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line. We discuss next. 1017, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 19, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Another one of these stories, this out of Atlanta, Tuesday morning. Two small children walking to the bus stop are attacked um, by a pit bull and a border collie. The six-year-old boy is killed. Um, the five-year-old girl is severely injured. The owner of the dogs, who apparently let him run the streets, he's now been arrested and charged with involuntary manslaughter. But a lot of people in the area are saying enough is enough. It's time to, especially in urban areas, regulate the ability of people to own breeds of dogs like pit bulls. What do you think? 414-799-1620, 800-877-1620. Don in Milwaukee. Don, you're first. Good morning. Uh, thanks for taking my call, Jeff. Sure. Um, People have this misconception of pit bulls. It's, pit bulls are not vicious animals. They're actually, they used to be health, uh, used, you know, in health fields. I mean, they're, they're, they consider themselves lap dogs. I had several of them. It's how they are raised and bred that makes them vicious. I mean, the pit bull, I, my last pit bull, he, he was great around the kids. He was great around me and my wife. And people were afraid of it because it's a pit bull. Well, the guy okay. should be charged, and he should be banned from ever owning an animal again. Well, let me. You, you say that why are people afraid of pit bulls? Because it, the, I mean, here here is the reality. If I got a little dog, I got a pomeranian. Okay, if my pomeranian were to bite somebody, I don't think she could break the skin. So, I mean, if something if something causes her to snap or whatever, we're not the worst case scenario. We're talking about two stitches. A pit bull breaks bad, and you're talking about a five-year-old that's in the morgue. So, I mean, it's you, you don't think that people have any reason to be concerned about seeing pit bulls walk down the street? Well, first of all, you know, any uh, dog shouldn't be allowed to run wild, first yep. of all. But second of all, uh, you can say the same thing for a uh, Rottweiler. You can say, yep. the same, say the same thing about a German Shepherd, uh, a Doberman Pinscher. Any big dog can severely hurt you. But what makes them vicious are the way they are raised and bred. Why do you think it is we, we hear so many stories then? So when, when you hear dog attack, kid mauled, uh, not all the time, but a good percentage of the time, it, it's going to be a pit bull or a pit bull mix. I mean, you're, you're right, you know, any dog can kind of snap, but you, you don't hear about German shepherds doing this, you know, as a general rule. Why, why do you think that is? Because pit bulls are usually raised by idiots like that to fight. Right. And that's why people are afraid of them, because of the way people raise them. So the word pit bull, the first thing people think of is viciousness and... They're afraid of them. Now, think, well, because of the idiots that have them. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it, it is true. For example, around here, if I if I circle back to my my drug prosecutor days, it was amazing how many how many times we would do drug raids, particularly in the city of Milwaukee, and th- there there would be pit bulls that had been raised and bred to be the guard dogs at, at drug houses. And I'm not saying every pit bull is raised to do that, but there was this period of time where I swear every time we'd have the SWAT team or people would go through, you know, they'd end up dealing with these pit bulls. And I do think that has, in some areas, that's kind of hurt the breed because I think there's been a lot of inbreeding and these dogs have been bred with that. But I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. If, if my next-door neighbor had had a pit bull, for example, I, I think 
I would be concerned about that because I understand while people think that they're just great dogs, if if the dog does break bad, you're going to have really bad consequences. Let's talk to uh, Mike in Fond du Lac. Mike, you're on 620 WTMJ. Hi, thanks for taking my call. Hi, Mike. Uh, I would like to just say that I have two black labs, big black labs, and I'll be honest with you, one of my best friends has a pit bull, and this pit bull is the most loving pit bull in the world. But unfortunately, one day I went over to it and I had a cut on my hand, and I would play with this dog, roll around on the floor with the dog and everything else of that nature. But as soon as that dog came up to me that one day and smelt my hand where I had the blood on my hand, the dog attacked me. And ever since then, I've never had a problem. As long as I don't have an open cut on my hands or anything else of that nature. But for some reason, when that dog smelt that blood mm-hmm. on my hand, that dog attacked. And for the most part, I'm afraid to let his dog play with my dogs because right. I think my dogs will kill it. But <laughs> <laughs> right. when that one day when I had the blood on my hand, just something snapped in that dog. I don't know if it's the breeding or, or what it is. Well, but and also again, it, it's it, if you accept that it, it's an animal and that you know something can set it off, it's fine. But 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 again, the you know there's certain dogs. Like I say, some dogs. Okay, you you got a poodle. The poodle snaps. It bites. Okay, maybe you got two stitches. You know, a pit bull attacks right. and and the kid is dead. I mean, I, I and again, this is where I get these emails. Why do you hate pit bulls or whatever? Well, okay, I'm I'm apprehensive about this. I mean, I got to tell you. I mean, if I had my nephew is nine years old. I mean, I. I I wouldn't feel comfortable with my nine-year-old nephew, you know, who roughhouses with dogs. I wouldn't feel comfortable with him doing that with a pit bull. Who knows what's going to set that pit bull off? No, and actually, you know what, that's 100% correct because this dog has actually had, like, two occasions where it actually nipped somebody besides myself. And all the times, though, it's been where there's, like, a bone in the pocket or something else, right. you know, a treat or something, and the dog just, you can't blame the dog, though, for the most part. That's the way I think that for so long these dogs were bred. Right. And and taught to be this way that they're just act it's an animal yeah. unfortunately that's what it is but it is a deadly animal and i think that people that have them i mean just like how i'm scared with my dogs i don't allow my dogs to go anywhere that's going to hurt anybody because i don't want to see that happen and this person is a completely irresponsible dog owner and should be held i oh. think to more of an account than involuntary manslaughter it should be voluntary manslaughter yeah i mean right. right right who i mean thank i mean and clearly this is a bad dog owner i think you know regardless of where you come down on the breed issue i would hope that everybody would agree that you should not be allowing your animals to run loose on on the street and be in a position like this and especially if you're talking about an animal that has the potential the potential to if they act up to cause this type of damage, then you have to take extra precautions to make sure that they, these things didn't have collars. They're just running around the street. They attack these these children. I mean, I think especially under those circumstances, if you have an, an animal that has the potential to do this type of stuff, yeah, then you need to be held to some extra degree of accountability. Joe in Waukesha. Joe, you're on 620 WTMJ. Good morning. Hi, Jeff. Hi. Your last caller nailed it. And the reason, the thought that not letting your nine-year-old nephew around a pit bull, right. it's because you're smart. <laughs> you know, you're going to hear a million stories of people who have wonderful pit bulls, but you will always have that story of somebody getting seriously maimed, killed, or hurt because a pit bull has a locking jaw. Right. And they have, you know that. Yep. And they have 1,600 pounds of pressure. But your last caller was very, you know, it was very interesting. I worked for a man who had a couple pit bulls. They didn't bother me. But if one of the animals on the farm was injured, 
that dog would go after them. Mm-hmm. It, it, very, very interesting that your last caller, I, I thought yeah. it was very interesting. And, yeah. and you're smart, Jeff. <laughs> That's very kind of you to say. I, some people... Some people would perhaps disagree with that, but I, but but I guess this is the. I mean, you know, I, I understand that they are animals. I mean, I, I have the sweetest little dog, but I mean, I'm thinking in, in the two years that I, I've pretty much owned her, I've owned her. I mean, there's been one or two occasions where she she snapped at me just just once. I mean, a couple of weeks ago, she was sick. She had just thrown up. I didn't quite realize it. I kind of put my head hand down to see what's going on, and she she just she snapped at me once, and I said, what are you doing? And she recognized she did, but she was sick. I mean, she's an animal. That's just the way she's expressing it. She's not a pit bull. And I mean, who knows what sets some of these these type of dogs off? I am not calling for a ban on the breed. I do think it is fair to have extra regulations and extra degree of accountability for dog owners who act in these irresponsible fashions. And if your dog gets loose and creates havoc like happened in Atlanta. Yeah, I think you deserve to have the book thrown at you. And I hope they put this guy in jail and I hope he stays in jail for a long time. There is a six-year-old kid that is dead. It is an unnecessary type of thing. If you were wandering around irresponsibly using a firearm, you're sitting in the backyard and you're shooting at, I don't know, you're shooting at cans and you miss a can and you end up hitting a kid, you're going to jail for a long time. You own a dog like a pit bull. You let the pit bull run free. It kills the child. Yes, you should be in jail for a long time. And as I said at the outset, this interestingly, this wasn't just a pit bull. There was a pit bull and there was a border collie. You almost never hear border collies being involved in this, but this time you did. 928 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 1036 Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. Tomorrow is Inauguration Day. It seems like the presidential campaign and now the post-presidential process has been going on forever, but Tomorrow, we have the orderly transition of power. Donald Trump becomes the next president of the United States. We are joined by my old friend, Congressman Glenn Grothman. Glenn, good morning. That's absolutely right. (laughs) And I think it's the first time I've been on your new show, which I'm real pleased about. And so your audience knows normally I still kind of consider you a little bit of an adversary because Years ago, in the middle ninth, in the early nineteen seventies, we would debate each other in high school debate teams, and Jeff was a super debater for Nicolay High School, and I was a not so super debater for Homestead High School. No, Glenn, I, that's right. wait, wait, but that's very kind of you to say. But but now I'm doing a radio show, and you were in Congress, so we'll we'll let we'll let history decide who went on okay. with that. That's it. Well, um, you're in D.C. now, correct? Exactly. We just stepped out of one of these banquet-like dealies to talk to you. Um, all right. First of all, let me, b- before we talk about all the pomp and st- circumstance, um, you are you are not going to be one of you've got sixty-eight colleagues and counting who have decided that they are going to boycott the inauguration. I assume number one, that's not you. And then I guess a bigger question I'd ask you: How do you feel about this this kind of stunt that's being pulled? Well, I think you know different parties are different. I do not remember in either one of President Obama's uh, inaugurations, any Republicans boycotting. So there's a difference between the two parties, a different in style. I always do think the Republicans are a little bit quicker to reach across the aisle, a little quicker to try to be bipartisan than the Democrats. And we're seeing that now. I mean, you know, when Barack Obama, I'll tell you, when I was in uh, Madison for many, many years, uh, Governor Doyle was elected our governor. And I always tried to work with him. I always tried to meet with his people. You know, I didn't vote for Governor Doyle. I think we got some things done because I wasn't afraid to recognize the fact that Governor Doyle was our governor for eight years in this state. And I think you kind of have an obligation 
to, even if you're a Democrat, uh, to respect President Trump, want to work with him, want to work with his regulatory agencies, and to give uh, President Trump a kick in the teeth, let out of the chute is not the way I go about being a congressman. Uh, you know, and it's apparently uh, some people around this country like that sort of representation of these 68 people when they got elected. Well, I guess that that's the thing that, I mean, we, we hear about this need to kind of get along, and, and I think we all would appreciate that. And I understand, like you were saying, there's differences between the parties, but I guess I don't understand how you, you think you can advance causes by saying this is not a legitimate president, you know, we're, we're going to resist from the beginning. I assume a lot of this might be just a political stunt to try to appeal to a base and raise money for 2018 or 2020 or something like that. Well, it must be, and it's, it's something about our society that there are a lot of congressmen out there who feel it will help them get reelected by, in essence, publicly saying, I'm not going to recognize Donald Trump, and I don't plan on working with him for the... To me, the implication is that I don't plan on working with him for the next four years. Well, <laughs> I'll tell you, each one of us represents about 650,000 people. If 68 congressmen want to behave that way, that's unfortunate, but they may know their districts, and they may have a lot of people who in essence, don't want to be represented for the next four years. Glenn, paint the scene. What's it like um, for people who would like to be in Washington today, tomorrow? What's it like? Give me me an idea of the scene. Well, there's always a certain amount of euphoria here because, of course, we have, you know, tens of thousands of people flew in here. They're the type of people who worked very hard to get Donald Trump elected, the type of people who gave a lot of money to get Donald Trump elected, and they're expecting big things. So it's like, you know, they can't really, they're enjoying themselves now and can't wait for Monday when Donald Trump really begins to go to work and they're looking for great things. And I think, by the way, they should expect great things. I think Donald Trump, whatever you think about him, is the type of person who likes to get things done. Now, and he has the opportunity to be a transformative president, kind of like Ronald Reagan in 1980. He has the opportunity to get a lot of things done. We know that because he hasn't been in government before, he's a little bit of a blank slate on a lot of issues. There are a lot of people going to try to get his ear. Um, one of the first things he'll do, and I wouldn't be surprised if next week he does it, nominate somebody for the Supreme Court. But, and of course, uh, I think we're going to repeal Obamacare, set up the repeal anyway, starting in the next month, which will be a good thing. I think he's going to be looking at redoing the Internal Revenue Code. I think uh, he's going to be looking at these regulatory agencies. I think we have an opportunity for huge change. And he has the personality, for better or for worse, uh, hopefully for better, to make big changes and go, like Ronald Reagan, go over Congress's head, appeal to the people, and get things done that some of these people in Congress who want to continue with the same old, same old, wouldn't do otherwise. We're talking to Congressman Glenn Grothman. Congressman, the, the there there are there are polls that are out there, and of course we, we all know after this last election how skeptical you have to be about polls, showing Donald Trump has an approval rating in the low forties, that the stories that you see are lowest approval rating of, of any, you know, body taking office and the suggestion is that that's going to hamstring him on his initiatives. Do you think that's going to play out or do you expect an aggressive first one hundred days? Well, I think it's going to be an aggressive first 100 days because a lot of congressmen want an aggressive 100 days as well. I think the more he does, the more he will be judged by his actions rather than some of his behavior in the past. And let's face it, he was not as polished as some people would have liked uh, the last couple of years. As you know, I didn't back him in the primary. But I'll tell you, our country has huge problems. And if we're not going to solve them in the next four years, I think it might be too late. So we all have to get behind him. Um, 
And I, <laughs> I think he's got to do a good job of selling himself right. to the American people. Not thrilled when he does things like tweets, you know, about Merle Streep or something, but um, as he gets beyond that sort of thing, I, he has the, uh, a great opportunity to have his popularity rating go up. Now, from your personal perspective, Glenn, um, for the people in your district and the state of Wisconsin, you know, you talked a little bit about what you think might be some of the priorities. I mean, do you have one or two things that are top of your list that you want to see the Republican Congress accomplish right out of the box? I think we have to. I don't know if it's going to be right out of the box, but I think sometime in the next couple of years we have to address welfare reform. I think you have this exploding segment of the population that is dependent on the government. I think they're providing a bad role model for their children. I think they usually vote Democrat, too. And unless we get a handle on that uh, exploding segment of the population, I, I think we're quite frankly done as a country. Mm-hmm. So I will do all I can up here to try to push that to the top as far as issues that we deal with. You know, one of the things, and I know I had an opportunity to talk to Governor Walker last week, and I, one of the things that I know he's been a little bit frustrated with is trying to deal with Washington to get waivers of different things so you can try some initiatives on the state level. Do, do you think that that's going to change under a Trump administration? Maybe no now? No question. Okay. No question. Uh, you know, in the past we had Barack Obama, and not being overly partisan here, but Barack Obama was a big government guy. He was a big welfare guy. And I know uh, Governor Walker wants waivers with regard to things like drug testing for welfare recipients. I think Donald Trump will be much quicker to grant those waivers, uh, maybe much quicker to grant some waivers on some environmental stuff that is particularly damaging to the state of Wisconsin with all our manufacturing. And uh, I think Donald Trump will therefore be good to the state of Wisconsin. Glenn, you've been. Uh, this is the beginning of your second term. How are you finding DC? Is it is it is the job everything you thought when you first ran for the job? Well, there are a lot of people up here. Obviously, you're going from me being one of 33 state senators to one of 435 congressmen. I think a lot of people have been around here a long time, and I think some of these people have been around here a long time. Not all of them, but some of them. Their attitude is kind of it's always going to be business as usual. You know, do something to make the lobbyists happy. Don't cut any programs because it might result in a bad headline from the mainstream media. And I hope Donald Trump and I uh, intend to light a fire on them and force them to get out of their comfort zone and make some changes. So in other words, moving forward, we we can expect to perhaps see some of those headlines involving uh, Congressman Grothman. You do some stuff from time to time that drives the mainstream media absolutely nuts. Well, uh I think we just have to put pressure on some of these people who don't want big change. And I'll tell you, there are a lot of people who don't want big change. And that, you know, one thing to look at is we're going to be coming out with a new budget, and the budget just sets the total spending level. The, the exact uh, details are not going to be filled in for a few months yet. But I think sometime in the next two or three months, we're going to be voting on a budget of the total amount of discretionary spending that we intend to spend in the fiscal year beginning October 1st. And it's going to be illuminating to be whether that's going to be the same old, same old number you know, add another percentage or something to last year's budget, or whether the Republicans will be willing to say, hey, wait a minute, mm-hmm. government's too big right now. That's one of the first things to look at. 
SSC is winning the fights up here. You know, but that's that's before I let you go, Glenn. I mean, one, leading up to the the election, you know, one of the big things was uh, that was being portrayed in the media was a split in the Republican caucus and and you know questions about Paul Ryan's leadership. Um, you know, is there a united Republican caucus? And is you know, are people going to get behind Paul Ryan when he rolls out some of his initiatives? Well, I think people like Paul. I don't have heard anybody say we ought to get rid of Paul. But uh, there's certainly a vision. Like I said, there are a lot of people, as in anywhere you look in government, be it a county board, be it a school board, there's some people who find it too easy to spend other people's money. And Republicans are not immune to that. And you're always going to have that divide up here, and that divide is going to play out in the next couple of months. Hopefully it'll just play out behind the scenes and we'll come out united but be behind some uh, reduced government plans. But there's no question there's a division out there on that. Interesting. Congressman Glenn Grothman, enjoy the inaugural weekend, and thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you again soon. I appreciate your time. Glad to be on the show, Jeff. Absolutely. Take care. That's Glenn Grothman. Congressman, and Glenn is exactly right. We go we go back a long, long way. We go back to our high school days in the north shore of Milwaukee. 1047, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. 1151, 1051, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ. We know the Packers are in Atlanta this weekend for the NFC title game, but don't worry, we'll bring the Lambeau Field tailgate party to you. It's the WTMJ Run the Table tailgate, where we give away free food for your Packers cookout all throughout the playoffs. Listen all day to WTMJ for your chance to win. It's the WTMJ Run the Table tailgate, courtesy of Bunzel's Old Fashioned Meat Market and Catering, sponsored by Transitions. In less than 15 minutes, is it time to trash cash? And then as we do every Thursday at 1135 Pop Culture Corner. The topic this week will get your motor running, I promise. Another one of these, I've actually been sort of waiting all morning because I was hoping that more details would emerge, but I I believe the intersection at 43rd and Good Hope, that's right by Triple I Country Club, if you can imagine. It's been closed all day because what happened, and I used to live in that area a long time ago. I used to live in that area. What happened was about 5 o'clock this morning, uh, police spot a stolen van, van that comes back as stolen on like 43rd and, and Good Hope, which is probably, I don't know, a couple miles, maybe tops north of, of the, the intersection of 43rd and Good Hope. So that's on like 43rd and Bradley. They, they spot this, and they decide, they see it's a stolen van, so they put on the bubble lights, and they decide, hey, pull over. And as now predictably happens on a regular basis in the city of Milwaukee, people driving these stolen vehicles do not pull over. They decide to run from the police. So Brown Deer police try to stop the stolen van. The van takes off high speed going down 43rd Street, quickly comes up to 43rd Good Hope, runs a red light, and smashes into a semi that was in in the intersection. Um, the semi driver taken to the local hospital with minor injuries. The intersection, I think at, le- at least last report, was still closed because the semi was leaking fuel. So it's a long cleanup thing. But um, what ends up happening is, of course, the driver of the stolen van is dead. Driver of the stolen van is killed. Now, a lot of times when you hear these stories and you have these people that try to flee from the police and run through the red lights, they hit cars and they kill the other drivers. I mean, that that's that's what you hear more often than not. In this case, and I've been trying to wait all morning because there hasn't been any updates, at least that I can tell, because I'm wondering how old 
uh, how old was the driver of the stolen van? You know, was this somebody who was 50 years old? More often than not, I mean, it, it turns out to be somebody who's a teenager or somebody who's in their early 20s. I, I don't know yet, so I've been hoping to hear, but they hadn't announced it as of yet at least. I know that there's going to be some people that will undoubtedly criticize the Brown Deer police for, you know, initiating a chase in a situation like this. And my, my response is, well, it is unfortunate that this happened. We do not have the death penalty for auto theft and for, you know, fleeing from police. But at the same time, I mean, the police have a legitimate interest in trying to get bad guys off the street. And while any loss of life is tragic, if you're driving around in a stolen car at five o'clock in the morning and the police try to pull you over and you make the decision that you are going to flee at a high rate of speed and blow a red light and you happen to hit a semi truck, I'm sorry, I'm not going to be too sympathetic to you. I mean, the bottom line is this unfortunate result here, which ended up and again, the driver of the stolen car being killed. All right. I don't know what his age is going to turn out to be. My guess it's going to be a, a, a relatively young person. My guess is it's probably going to be a relatively young man. That would be my, my guess. And it's unfortunate, and any loss of life is tragic. But the word needs to go out that, first of all, don't steal cars. Don't be driving stolen cars. And when the cops try to pull you over, just don't try to run from them because bad things are going to happen. Because we have we could do this story almost every day, not necessarily fatalities, but situations where people driving stolen cars, rather than pulling over, decide to flee from the cops, and then you know bad situations get worse. We had the one that we were talking about a couple days ago where you had the five kids all under the age of 15, driving a stolen car, lead the cops on a high-speed chase. Then when they finally get confronted, decide that they're going to ram a squad car. And you have two of the five who end up being immediately just returned to their, their homes. So nothing happens at all. Bad stuff happens when people do this. The police have every right to try to apprehend criminals. In this particular case, while it is an unfortunate result, it's not an indictment of the Brown Deer police. It is an indictment of whoever it was that decided they were going to run in the first place. 1056, Jeff Wagner, 620 WTMJ.